Welcome to Yellow Mensa, exploring cross-centered contextual justice in a South African context. Yellow Mensa is a ministry of Isfambano, Center for Biblical Justice. I am your host, David Kluter, and with me again is my man, your mm-hmm. man, our man, John Skippers. Uh, not only are we excited to be back uh, on Yellow Mensa, right. uh, but we have some exciting things that has been happening mm. you just completed a master's degree i did yeah i can't call you master john that no, is, that is not, not. <laughs> no, is, no no that is that is yeah ah, that's a different I, kind I, of I feel, I, I feel a kind of yeah, yeah i feel yeah, a kind yeah. of way about calling you master but dude you, you've got your master's congratulations <laughs> yeah, thank you ah. thank you thank you it has Yo, been a man. long painful slog of Five years, but Five I years. did it. Yeah, oh they don't give Lord. you extra marks for time and <laughs> perseverance, unfortunately. But yeah, listen, you you did it. You yeah, did it. I did, did it. it. I did. You did but it. but actually, actually, but wait, wait, what, what have you been up to? Because you've been busy too. What <laughs> you've been busy? Okay, you want to put it that way? All kinds of ways. Uh, <laughs> yeah, David yeah. and his beautiful wife Ongi have yeah. in have uh, brought into the world a beautiful baby girl, Elena. Yes, uh, on yes. the 15th of, 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 of Jan. 15th of Jan. So huge congratulations. Sure, we are growing the Yellow Mensa family. Yep. That's how we're doing it. Man, so, man, man. So that's... if you've been wondering where we've been yeah, and why we've been things, silent. Exciting things. That's been, what we've been up to. Lots of things have been yeah, happening. Yeah. But I, I have to say this. Uh, last year, especially last year, uh, uh. John was working super hard on, on just getting everything done. And in the middle of that, doing everything that we've 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 been doing with Yellow Mensa and 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 the Ministry of Isubumbana, dude, I want to give you serious props uh, for for just hanging in there, for 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 getting <laughs> is a good word, yeah, for hanging in there uh, and making 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 this ministry happen. I'm I'm super yeah. blessed by your, but just blessed by your friendship and and hard work and 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 dedication to to having Christian conversation right. and input in in the conversations yeah. that we're having. Not a lot of people wants to have this conversation. A lot of people yep. are, see as necessary, right? But yeah, like, true. listen, listen. Uh, thanks for sticking in there. No, let's with me listen. And, and and through the ministry. Yeah, right? no. Couldn't have done it without you. I'm gonna be honest. We back. back. We're back for 2020. We back early, like early Feb, like like <laughs> early. I'm talking about the second of oh. February. We 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 just got over 10 months of January. Right. <laughs> and then we get back into this, and we hear this statement, and you've all probably. You're aware of the conversation and the controversy that our former president, uh, F.W. Right. de Klerk. I, can, I, can I actually just stop there? Because yeah. I think it's helpful to call him the former deputy <laughs> president because that was part of a legitimate government. Okay. I think I, as a president, I, I, I'm like, that's not a listen, legitimate government. This is what government. Cyril did. This is what yeah, Cyril yeah, did yeah, during his speech. He, he, he only credited the guy for being the deputy president and of South Africa and, and a legitimate government and actually not and I was when I I'm heard good that, with that yeah. some wires went in my head is like okay was yeah. he not the former president yeah. of no like no, wasn't not, he it was an illegitimate government that's okay. a, I'm 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 with I'm with my man Sorrel <laughs> ah man you, you, you go stand in the corner <laughs> go stand in the corner get away from here I might so agree guys, with him on other things but on that one I'm with him so on, on Sunday uh, February the 2nd F.W. de Klerk uh, commemorated the 30th anniversary of his speech which saw the unbanning of the ANC uh, uh, the Communist Party, South African Communist Party, mm-hmm. and with that, several leaders of the ANC, including Nelson Mandela, which actually led to our transition from apartheid to democracy. Right. Uh, so he was commemorating that, and he had this in interview, and he said that actually that apartheid was not a crime against humanity, that it could not be compared with genocide, and that 
while apartheid had led to the deaths of many, more people died because of black on, and I quote him, mm-hmm. black on black violence right. than because of apartheid. Mm-hmm. He added also that he apologized refusely for apartheid in the past. Yeah. That the dismantling of apartheid on his part was purely conscious driven. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he, he was convicted. It was they were convicted. It was purely conscious driven, and that apartheid was unjust before God and his fellow South Africans. Right. Those are his actual words. Right. Right. Those are his, his actual words. Mm-hmm. Words. Um, and actually, he actually continued and he said it was actually not the internal and outside pressures that led the government to repentance. Right. It was them coming to their own conclusion right. that this thing was wrong. Was wrong, yeah. Okay. And so following mm. that statement, following that interview, the EFF, uh, during the State of the Nation address, called the former president um, an unrepentant apologist of apartheid. Uh, the following day, of course, his foundation, the FW de Klerk Foundation, issued, issued a statement. It basically supported his, his statement. Right. And they called this thing, uh, uh, the apartheid being a crime against humanity, they called it propaganda meant to uh, ignite. And it was started actually by the Soviets. And they wrote in their statement, it was mm. started by the Soviets and the ANC and their communist allies to ignite or inst- uh, instigate that, that white South Africans were associated with, with crimes against humanity mm-hmm. and they were saying like no 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 we are not guilty of all of that stuff right. and you guys should actually focus on the crime or the the, the violence between the ANC and the IFP right and everybody was in an uproar um, and then subsequently the foundation issued a, a, an apology withdrawing right. the statement right. that happened on the 14th of February mm-hmm. Uh, and they said, un- uh, unconditionally, we apologize for any confusion. And I quote again, for any confusion, mm-hmm. anger or hurt that our statement may have caused. Right. And they agreed with the, the International Criminal Court that apartheid actually was a crime against humanity. Mm-hmm. That's the breakdown, the context for, mm-hmm. for what happened. It kind of feels like we, we, we started the year and we were joking earlier, like with some, some old school hits here. Like yeah. we, we're back talking about this. Are we are we are here we? in 2020? However many years are what's um, it was 1990. So it's like 30 years we're having this discussion. Wow, uh, I, this I, surely it's settled. We've been having this conversation, it, and some people are like, "Yeah, I don't know if is Mubano and Yella Mans is even relevant because right. we've moved on. Right, right. We, we are done with this conversation. Yeah, yeah. This is just caused because of some events, you know, racist events that right. happens that I think you know people should address, but. But it's 30 years. It's 30, it's 30 years. years. And we're back here. We're back here. We're back here. Actually, we haven't been gone. Yeah. We haven't gone anywhere. Yeah. We've been here. Yeah, we've, we've been we've here. We've been here. Let me get, let's get into just, just discussing and, and, and just talking about what happened. So the clerk is basically being accused right. of blatantly being unrepentant. Right. Blatantly being unrepentant for apartheid. Or at mm-hmm. least that his apology mm-hmm. was half-hearted. Right. Now, what do we make of that accusation? Is there any truth to that, mm-hmm. considering the evidence? Even if we go back, if you read in um, Desmond Tutu's biography, his, his, his official biography by John Allen, even Tutu has questions, and he even says the point when back in, uh, when it was the early 90s, where when de Klerk is making these apologies, Tutu is saying things like, I'm not convinced that it was a great apology, 
but it's a start. Let's keep moving. So let's let's recognize the apology. Yeah. Uh, let's let's affirm it, and let's hope that this moves us mm. to greater reconciliation. Mm. Now, from good motives, I think in great uh, humility, because I think we have a lot to owe uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu. I think he got that one wrong. Yeah. Because it has not led to greater repentance. Right. I think that half-hearted re- apology that he saw in the early 90s where he wasn't sure that it was a genuine, genuine apology, I feel like it's played out. Yeah, I feel like the fact that the clerk is still here arguing against UN declarations. I mean, you didn't, you, you, you intimated yeah. towards that. But it was a UN declaration that yeah. apartheid is, is a crime against humanity. So it's, it's not even, a, it's not even an interpretation. Like, was that good or bad? Was no, it, yeah. it's yeah. like, it's, it's a legal statement. I mean, Tabo Mbeki even said, I'll send him the documents. And I think he did actually. Yeah. I think he sent it to the FW Clerk Foundation. Yeah. It's not even a debate. Sure. And the fact that he's not even aware of that. In fact, during apartheid... He claims he's not aware. Yeah, he claims he's not aware, which... Yeah. And to be honest, the clerk claims he's not aware of a lot, a lot of, of things. things. I'm really... Which, which is, which is I'm actually really worried about how he was even running the country because he didn't know anything. He didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. He didn't know about... And I mean, this is this is why his apology was seen as, as right. half-hearted. Exactly. Because he claims to have known nothing about what was happening at Flock Plus. Yeah. The, the murders of ANC activists. Yeah. The killings, uh, the IFP, Mandela right. himself right. said, your government is, right. the security police is involved in this, mm. either in providing arms. Yes. Something is happening. Right. Tutu said himself, I when Pluck Plus and, and all the killings yeah. of people happened, um, I went to him personally exactly. and I told, told him. him. Yeah. How can he, I, I remember after that, after his apology, Tutu right. even said, how can he sit there and tell me that he did not exactly. know? yeah. So, and these documents that are so detailing documents saying that he knew about the third force involvement in Boy sure. Patong. He yeah. knew. There are documents detailing that, but he still denies that. And in fact, even before the TRC, he was accused of gross violations against human rights because it was proven and it was shown yeah. that he was aware and he knew details of the bombing of Kotso House, the SACC sure. headquarters, during P.W. Boerter's presidency, so he wasn't there. So he was complacency with gross violation of human rights. He knew about it. Wow. He knew Boerter authorized it. Yeah. And before the TRC, he denied it. Sure. So in fact, and then he, he, he appealed it and somehow he won and the commission black, um, backed down. So in the original TRC um, report, actually, yeah. Truth and Reconciliation report, they actually, they printed it already. And so before they had to, they could send it out. They actually had to sit and black out the page, the, his testimony. Oh yes, I remember. I remember yeah. that. So, so even though it was proven, he on some technicality he got them to back down. Then there's always a technicality with him. He doesn't know anything. Yeah. But yet it's known he knows. And so they actually had to black out his testimony in the original TRC documents. Sure. And that's the problem with this guy. If there's repentance, if there's genuine mm. change, yeah. like it's just legally one step removed. Yeah. Like everyone around him knows, yeah. but somehow he doesn't, he doesn't know. These guys that 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 basically went rogue. Yeah, yeah. The Eugene yeah, Cox, they, these guys all they, they went they went rogue. Yeah, and no one at the top knew anything. Yeah, and so in his apology, basically yeah. he said, "I cannot accept failure on the government side right. for those things that right. happened because, according to our policy, right. we were never part. Look at our documents; we were never part of this, right. and because." 
he claims we we never knew. Right, right. And so just on the basis of the evidence, yeah, at least we can we can say there's warrant to say that man, this apology, and the, and the people's and the outcry and the response right. is is actually justified. Right. It is absolutely justified. Mm. I agree with the EFF wanting his removal. Yeah. I mean, look, I we can talk about whether there's. That was political staging or, you yeah. know, whatever. And I don't know. And there's times I don't agree with the EFF and that's fine. I don't agree with any political party on. But on this issue, I think they were right to say, what is that man doing there? Because yeah. he has clearly shown that he is unrepented, that he doesn't even recognize nice. the UN yeah. declarations. He wow. consistently denies his own involvement where it can be shown, yeah. where it's clear that there's some of these, there's no way these things were not happening without his knowledge. Otherwise, what was he doing? Like playing Candy Crush in his office for five years or something. Sure. I mean, really? Yeah. He's the president of the country and he he knows nothing about third force activities. He knows nothing about Boy Patong massacres. He knows nothing about uh, Flak Plus. I no mean, word. that Flak Plus is signed off at the highest order. You know it. Yeah. Well, it's not signed because that's that's how these guys are. There's nothing to trace him, but that didn't happen without his say-so. Yeah. Like, come on, guys. If you yeah. believe that... Would you like to buy this table mountain I'm selling? <laughs> you know, like really. There's just a lot there. Right. But now on the heels of that, that apology has had massive implications, not just for the generation before, right, but for the generation currently. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, in 1986, when I was born, wow, 1986, that was when actually the whole third force meeting right. was, was held. Right. Okay. But I'm just we've been talking about third force. Do you maybe want to talk just explain in case okay. anyone doesn't know what third force is? Okay, so so basically there was a meeting held which the cleric was a part of by top you know security mm. staff for the for the for the country at the time. And this third force was this force that the government would, would implement. And the objective of this force, uh, one of the things, and I quote, was to wipe out terrorist activities mm-hmm. effectively. Right encounter the underminers with their own methods. Right. According to the cleric at the time, he said no conversation was had, no meeting was held to institute the force. Right, right. Where there was tensions between rival political parties, so ANC and IFP were two of the Uh, key ones, and then they would come and stir up uh, and either use the Mm. IFP uh, or give weapons or money to IFP in order to attack ANC, uh, or possibly even vice versa, or even just a third force to yeah. go and attack an ANC or an IFP stronghold mm. or a hostel or something whilst wearing ANC colors or something like that. So right. in order to to disrupt the right. country. And we know that between 1990 and 1994, between the unbanning of the ANC and between the first democratic elections, we know this was a major strategy that yeah. claimed thousands mm-hmm. of lives. And yes, so we want to talk about the black-on-black black violence on. But, but it was instigated. Exactly? So that's not to say there weren't problems. There were yes, problems, yeah. but it was instigated and was stirred up in order to make the country ungovernable. And for people to go, you see, these black Let's people, they, they, they yeah. can't. Yeah. They can't manage yeah. the country. Yeah. And so, and he knew nothing about that. <laughs> and you know what? In one sense, legally he did because they used words like you must take out uh, the, the threat or we yes. must... Uh, remove the wipe threat. out terrorists. Yeah, and he's saying, "Well, I didn't wipe mean out. What if they took mean? it. If they took it to mean killing, I mean, I can't oh, be responsible." Was, but you know, it's that thing where everyone knows what you said. Yeah, 
But <laughs> you never said it. But who do you say this to? You, you never actually said it in, in a group, in a, in a meeting with but generals. We know what you like, mean. Like, like you saying these yeah. things to people with with means exactly. to wipe out. Yes, quote it, unquote. In fact, military enforcing of things <laughs> is their job. Yeah, you know that's their job, and you're saying these kind of things. Like you're, it's it's that I'm giving permission without giving permission. Sure. And for me, that's the difference between being legally liable, and biblical repentance as well. Yeah, legally we can't pin it on you. Sure. But you know what you did. You know what you authorized. Sure. And so I want to go, is it a case of sorry, not sorry, or a political maneuver or a legal maneuver yeah. that I'm saying sorry, but I actually, actually, I, I'm, not, I'm not really sorry. Sure. But I know I need to say this for my benefit. Let's come back to now the implications of all of this. Right. So we spoke about the Evans. We spoke about like historical, like how people on the ground respected, even Nelson Mandela, Desmond Tutu, respected mm. men and women felt about that apology. Right. The ripples of that apology. Mm. There's a there's a there's a beautiful article that Auntie Kroch wrote mm. on the heels of of this apology by uh, the foundation FW right. Clear Foundation. And she's and I quote this. She said, "Every South African has an imprint of a powerful black man mm-hmm. on behalf of a collective reaching out for giving whites as a collective. But whites do not have any image of a powerful white man in a definitive gesture asking for forgiveness. Yeah. And many people say that during that apology of the clear, back in, I mean, when he, when he appeared before the TRC, this mm. was in 1997, that, was it? Well, I'm actually not sure the exact yeah. date, but yeah, so People said he missed his opportunity. Yes. Now, what implications did had have did that have for that sort of generation, particularly white people mm. coming out of apartheid, and 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 how has that affected even young people when right. they think about apartheid? Now, hearing this man say that it wasn't a crime against humanity, right? Like, what does that do for race relations in the country? What does that do with when black people voice right. the, the realities of living with the implications and? And effects of apartheid presently today, right? When they're in conversations with 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 white people, mm-hmm. and white people go like, "Yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't part of it, so I don't know what you're talking about." Right. And that's because they haven't felt the severity of of what this meant, and that comes back to because there's n- the apology that was made by the leaders back in the day right. was not even sufficient. It was yeah. it didn't even address the crime of right. apartheid. It was about more about political strategy than about moral intention, and so I I, I dispute even uh, De Klerk's own statement about you know the conscience of the nation and everything. And you could argue about that, but I think his subsequent statements, his subsequent political actions, his subsequent uh, just the, even the way he asks for forgiveness to the TRC, it's in a way that does not legally implicate him. Yeah. So he doesn't even ask for amnesty. Because he doesn't need amnesty. Wow. That's what it's about. It's a it's legal, sure. it's making sure I'm not legally liable. That's very different. And so we've taken on as generations, as people, as South Africans, certainly as white South Africans, we've taken on that idea. We have never been broken yeah. by the crimes of apartheid. Yeah. Apartheid wasn't that bad, was it? Sure. Because we don't know. We don't know. We've never, you know, that We've never been broken by. We never faced the realities and the horrors of apartheid. Yeah. Um, even the TRC. I mean, I, 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 Anki Kroch, um, at some point, 
I think it's an article or a book, I can't actually remember, but she says one of the things that really struck her about the TRC was that the only white people who were consistently there to even hear the stories of the victims, the stories of her, were the journalists. Wow. The public galleries were often filled with black people, and the, the white, only white people present were either employed or, in, or appearing before the commission or the journalists. Wow. But they weren't there. They weren't, we weren't there. We weren't listening. So sure. we've never come to terms with that. And I, for me, that's, that's where the clock is. It's like, how do I get away with this? Like, have I reckoned with mm-hmm. the past? Am I actually deeply repentant of it? Yeah. And I got, I, I, I have all sorts of flags being raised in my yeah. mind there. Now, because I'm, I don't see the fruit of it. Sure. Because previous generations say, would say today, white, older uh, folk would say today mm. that, listen, we were, we were lied to by the state. Mm. And so we, there was a propaganda machine. There was no mass social media that, that could air all this stuff. Sure. I mean, TV only came out when? 75. Uh, yes. And so for the past, what, 20, 20, mm. uh, 30 years before that, mm. we, 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 we were in the dark about. Mm. And TV was, was very carefully curate, curated. Even yeah. Then. So, so what do we then do mm. with people who say that? Right. But then when TRC happened, like three years after right. 1994. Right. And then they didn't even pitch right. to hear the stories, to right. be informed. Right. Mm. And then you get to my generation who yeah. then goes like, because yeah. our parents have not set us down. Like, right. like this was horrible. Yeah. And, and tell their stories of right. complacency. How that has affected many blacks and right. how that has affected right. them and how right. that and the privilege they got from that right. is affecting them. Absolutely. And so when you get fees must fall, black students and white students... Polar opposites. Polar opposites. And and the black students don't understand, or the white students don't understand what's wrong with, with the black students because, man, I wasn't part of that. Yeah. And actually, was it that bad? Because, I mean, look, we we, we, we 25 years, the Zuma era, the nine lost years. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, let's focus on, on fixing that stuff. Right. And as a moving on from, from the past, because we haven't felt we sit with the depth of what mm. does this mean, and and it comes back to the to repentance. It comes back to, and it comes back to our previous podcast yeah. on lament. White people have we haven't come to that repentance. We haven't fallen to our knees as a collective, going, "What have we done?" Sure. And in some ways, the clack we can focus on him, and I think we should focus on him because he's a public figure, mm-hmm. but he's not the be all and end all of the story. Yeah. But he, his kind of repentance that that doesn't actually appear to go deeper, that yeah. doesn't uh, fall on its knees, that still 30 years later can be questioning whether apartheid was a crime against humanity. I think white people as a collective, and some people might not even like that, but I think there's a lot to be said for collective responsibility and collective repentance in scripture. As a collective, we don't know what happened. Yeah. We don't understand the depths of apartheid. We don't understand the horrors of apartheid because yeah. we were ignorant. And I think, so that, that statement about we didn't know, yes, we were ignorant by design, but we also liked it. We benefited from ignorance yeah. because there were people who broke out. And yes, we can look at them as exceptions. In some way, they were. But if a Bayer's Nordea, who was deep in the Bruderbond, <laughs> could break out, yeah. why couldn't John Skippers? Let's be honest about that and say, yes, there was a, we were being told a one-sided story. Yeah. But let's be honest and say, we like that story because it fed our own natural sinful superiority. Yeah, until we get to that point of seeing what the brokenness of what apartheid has caused, we're always going to say things like, it wasn't that bad. Because essentially that's what the clerk is saying. 
it wasn't a crime against you. I mean, it was bad. Yeah. But I mean, there's been worse yeah, crimes. Right? I mean, let's compare. In fact, in let's fact, compare. In fact, yeah. in fact, the black on black violence, which already we've said, yeah. we need to ask some more questions about, about that. that. Let's compare. It's not as bad, right? Yeah. Are you going to apologize to your wife like that? Sure. Look, I mean, I did that, but you know what John did? How's that going to go for you? Yeah. Not, not well, bro. Not, not well. Not well. It's not an apology. Yeah. I feel like that's a lot of what has happened amongst white South Africans, and let's be honest, ones amongst white Christians. Sure. I'm just I'm gonna bring it home. Because sure. this this is where we, we, we talk. So so let's talk about the church. Right. Let's talk about the church as a as a collective. Right. Are there things that we need to talk about as a church that we need to repent of? Yeah. Sure. Events in our history, in our past, as it relates to the South African context that we need to own as Christians. As a, as a broader church right. in Southern Africa and in South Africa. Possible events that, that happened, that is currently happening in our present as right. a result of, right. of the past and a result of unrepentance of the past Absolutely. that is still perpetuating mm. racism, racist stereotypes within right. the church. Do we as a church need to, to own some of that stuff? What do you think? Sure, how much time we got? Um, I think, I mean, we could talk about specific events, but yeah. I think rather than do that, I just want to say, I think there's a legacy that we need to repent of. So the reality is, is that white churches did not sit above apartheid. So white churches, both as an institution and as the people within there, still by far and away benefited financially, politically, economically in such a, in such a way that it was actually at the detriment of our brothers and sisters. I mean, let's use that yeah. language. Never mind the people outside the church. Let's just, like I was saying, yeah. let's keep it in the church just for a minute. Yeah. The people who the Bible calls our brothers and sisters – we benefited mm. in such a way. And that benefit is not neutral. We benefited at the detriment of our brothers and sisters who sure. were oppressed, yeah. who were imprisoned, mm. who were killed, yeah. whose children were killed, who you know, who were victims of crime, who were harassed, sure. who were made to feel mm. less than made in the image of God. Mm. And, and so that's the legacy. And so as a result, I mean, if we just bring it back to like one maybe a more tangible example. So as a result, going to white churches in the southern suburbs or maybe northern suburbs are more familiar with the southern suburbs of Cape Town. Yeah. They are beautiful buildings. Yeah. With some, some of them have rectories for the pastors where pastors are able to be employed full time. And that's, that's part of a legacy wow. of the people within the church having money, of the church sometimes having a spring of money, and some have multiple staff members. The people in that church are not often facing poverty and unemployment mm -hmm. and uh, security issues on a daily basis. Whereas you go to the black brothers and sisters in the Cape Flats and the townships, very often you just have church buildings often are falling apart. Sure. Pastors working two, maybe three jobs, and sometimes not even coming through there often. Yeah. The people in that church are experiencing material deprivation or experiencing security issues, safety issues, all that yeah. kind of thing. And that's a legacy that has been created because one part of the church has allowed itself, mm -hmm. and I use that word, allowed itself to benefit at the expense of the others. And we haven't even left the church. We can, we can then move on to society and it gets worse. It doesn't get better. That's part of the, this legacy that we need to go, yo, why does a church in the suburbs have seven pastors? And, and paid well. But like church in Cape Flats has got one pastor who's working two or three jobs. Sure. 
and is faithful. What's up with that? That's part of the legacy. Sure. And I'm not talking about 1990, am I? No. I'm talking about today. today. Did we repent? Yeah. Like we've got nice statements. I can show you lovely statements. Yeah. The party was alive and well in our churches. And still is? Sure. Do we want to claim that? Not far wrong. Now let's talk about this concept then of biblical repentance. Right. What would it look like for the church to recognize that and move towards a place of true repentance where we do own that stuff, mm. but then avoid only writing a nice statement again? Right. What does it look like for the church to literally repent and just seek first within the church? Right. But outside the church. Mm. In terms of our witness, right. our love for one another so that people be, see that we are disciples of Jesus and be drawn mm -hmm. towards Jesus because of our love for one another. How does, how does biblical repentance look within that context? So, so let me throw it back to you. What does biblical <laughs> repentance look like in an interpersonal context? Is it just saying sorry? If I steal your money and then I say, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, what's your question? <laughs> Where's my money? Where, mom, show me the money. <laughs> like, no, oh, I spent it, but I'm really sorry yeah. about the new car I got, yeah, right? Seats, bro. I want my money. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You, like you're going, you're not sorry. You're driving a nice car and you just used sorry as get out of jail free, right? Sure. Maybe quite literally. You know I'm sorry when I bring back the money, right? Yeah. And if it's impossible, if the money's gone, there, there is something tangible that happens in like response to what I've done. It's yeah. not just, sorry, hey, my bad. Let's move on. Let's move on. The question is, I mean, we see it in the clack. I'm like, what, what has changed? Yeah. I mean, what has really and significantly changed in him, hmm. in his attitude, in the way? And I'm going, not much. Yeah. And then we would ask ourselves, well, when it comes to the church, what has really and significantly changed? I mean, we've said sorry. We've, and and I, don't, I don't want to downplay that because I think there has been some real moves towards repentance some god has been working yeah yeah but we again we want to put the full stop there and say we said sorry full stop sure. and and i think god's going uh comma dot dot dot, dot, dot whatever yes like sorry yeah. sorry is what starts the process sure it's not what finishes the process i don't that makes sense no it makes perfect sense i mean the, the classic example is zacchaeus yeah if we're talking about repentance mm. and salvation coming to this house, yeah. the household of God. What does it look like? And I think Zacchaeus is a, is a, is a brilliant example yeah. of I am sorry, mm -hmm. but then saying I'm not going to perpetuate the system right. and I'm going to break from the system yeah. and I'm going to restore, not yeah. just not just the relationship on a interpersonal, you know, right. me, you, take you out for coffee. <laughs> But but also me saying that actually the condition that you staying is 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 a result of the system what I did and what I did yeah and so I am going to make sure that I love you in a holistic manner right. that actually gives glory right. to God right that actually honors God mm. in my repentance mm -hmm. and it's actually going I know it's you know it's gonna it it needs to cost yeah. but in some ways I, I I'm going like Cost what? It, it's something that you, <laughs> that in one sense, we sh should be giving this person. Is it really costing you? Is it, yeah. is it really coming at a cost to you? Okay. Because if you, yeah. if you, if you, if you need to move towards this person okay. in, in, in that sense, that so you're you're saying like 
the cost of not like paying the money, for instance, yeah. is actually a far bigger cost than the cost of paying the money. What's it actually going to cost you to keep the money? What's it going to do to you? What's it going to yeah. do to your humanity? Sure. And we don't, I don't think like that. I, even when you said it, I was like, huh? you can see I was pulling my face. It's like, I don't get it. <laughs> but is that what you're saying? Yeah. For me, the thing is repentance, reconciliation always costs. Yeah. It always costs. I mean, it costs Jesus everything. And the question is, what is it costing us for mm-hmm. repentance? And I think in South Africa, for too long, white Christians have been asking black Christians to pick up the, the cost of repentance. Sure. I don't even know if we've really significantly said sorry, but black Christians have very often moved towards us. But like, are we moving towards them? Is there a spirituality of repentance, if I can say it that way? We, we want repentance to be a once-off thing. I said sorry. It's good. It doesn't work yeah. like that. Particularly over something that we've perpetuated and we've benefited from and being... A complicit in perpetuating, at least since 1948, repentance is going to be this ongoing, continuing process of realizing the depth and the brokenness of apartheid. Of when does repentance stop? Yeah. When Jesus comes back. Sure. Like, for real. And particularly when you look at the mess in our country, like, you want to say one statement or give one lot of money or something yeah. like that, and now we're good? It took us years to break this. It's going to take us years of repentance and continual repentance. I'm still not convinced we're broken by the realities of apartheid. We don't know our history. We don't want to know our history. That Flakplas story where they talk about burning. So they shoot, uh, I think, a couple of, um, of activists and then they burn the bodies because then it's no trace. And, while, and they say oh, it takes a long time for the bones to burn. So, they, so the fire is going hot, hot, hot. They're burning the bones of these young actors. And while they're doing that, I mean, that's sick enough in itself. Yeah. But then, like, what should we do while we do that? I know. Let's have a braai. Like, we're, we're drinking, having a few beers, having a braai, while we're burning the bones of a human being? Sure. Can we, can we let that sit with us? Sure. And then we want to say, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Let's move on. There are families to this day who do not know where the bodies of their sons and their fathers are buried. And some of those people are in our churches. Hmm. What does repentance look like? When yeah. We start to hear those stories. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Oh, I can't even imagine. And I think that's that's what we need to own. Yeah. In our in our country's history. Mm. And um, when it comes to, and I know this is one thing that has been thrown at this kind of conversation, mm. is that oh, this is retribution. Uh, people of color want revenge for what has been done right. to them. That, that language is, mm. is often often used. And so it's this constant, you never fully, you know, you never fully repent from, from this thing. And, right. and racism is just, you can't repent from, from, right. from ever from this thing. Because yeah. it, uh, we can I, never do enough. That and kind we can, of, yeah. yeah. I think it's a wrong place to start if you oh, start there. Yeah. I, mm. I remember from reading Jamar Tisby's book, The mm. Color of Compromise, mm-hmm. how he reflects on Abraham Lincoln's legacy. Uh, he's hailed as the great uh, uh, emancipator. emancipator. And Jamar actually reflects on, on this guy who, you know, abolished slavery. Right. But even during his campaigning, made statements like this. I am not, nor have I ever been in favor of bringing about any way the social and political equality of the white and the black races. So it's not about giving material stuff. 
Right. It is about giving that, but it comes with the true heart change, and the two goes hand to hand. It's a spirituality. But, but, yes, yeah. but it, but it's 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 a it's a question of a heart change. Right. Like, and you mentioned this when we we spoke about this yeah. uh, earlier. When I own this, I'm yeah. not just owning. When I say, oh, I acted racist here yeah. in, a, in in an instant yeah. or incident. It's not just apologizing for this one incident, right. but it's asking where did that thinking come right, from right. and what do I need to repent from right. uh, more holistically? Yeah. Where, what do I need to repent right, from? Right. And so in that sense, it is an ongoing yeah. repentance Yeah, yeah. because we've been socialized in a particular way right. to think in a particular way about ourselves mm. and That's to, good. to think about other people. Yeah. And so as we think about that, as right. in, in, in that sense, biblical repentance. Right, right. It is an ongoing. I mean, we sanctification works like that. Exactly. I mean, there's things I still do that I told my wife, I'm sorry for, I'm not doing again. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just like, you raised your voice again. And yeah. I was like, oh, oh, sorry, but yeah, I did apologize last time. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. But this time I mean it. At this time I mean it. <laughs> and then two days later, it's yeah, like, exactly. dude, you're doing it again. Which is, yeah. And it, it's, this, it, it's the process of sanctification. Right, right. And, and biblical repentance calls us to. Mm. Constant yeah, reflection so, upon ourselves. So let me ask this question. How much repentance is too much repentance? <laughs> you see, that's what we want to know. Like, what must I do yeah. to make myself feel good? When we grasp the, the implications, yeah. how long this sinfulness has been, has been and continues to go on, when we see the seriousness yeah. of the, the consequences, it's a massive, massive injustice. Yeah. How much repentance? Like, I feel like it's just the wrong question. It's like F.W. Clark, legally you can't touch me. I'm like, man, I, I don't care about the legal, legal stuff. Yeah. Like, how do I be right with God for what I've done, what I've benefited from? from what I, if it takes me my whole life of repentance, that's okay. Sure. Like, that's a spirituality of repentance. Yeah. And I, I feel like in the church, we want that, that easy, easy repentance. Yeah. We, we need to repent of that easy repentance. repentance. Yeah. yeah. Like, so and I just want to throw something in because we were talking about this earlier. I want to say, and those of us who are having these conversations, we need to be bold. To speak that to those who are unrepentant. Yeah. So here's so, the thing: is we also so want to. There's not practical yeah. ways mm -hmm. in which we can actually partner yeah. with God with the gospel. Yes. Right. In order to, to show biblical repentance right. and right. be examples of right. biblical repentance to the nation. Right. And this is a gospel issue. What is Jesus' message? Repent, Repent and, and believe. believe. So turn from the way you've been living. It's ungodly. It's yeah. dehumanizing. It's 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 an offense against God. Mm which I want to say apartheid is more, more than a crime against humanity. It is that, and it's an offense against God. It's even worse than you thought. Yeah. So repent, believe the gospel, live in a totally different way, yeah. with a totally different king. So if we're speaking this, and we're saying repent of the sins of racism and of oppression and injustice, and the church is not hearing, if they are not repenting, if we are preaching a gospel repentance, of repentance, yeah. What do you say about someone who doesn't repent when they hear the gospel? Wow. Well, what is your conclusion? Yeah. We say that person is not a Christian. Mm -hmm. right? Now, I'm not here to play junior Holy Spirit and say who's in and out. But like that is a diagnostic question we need to ask. If we are going to our church leaders and we're saying repentance is the order of the day, here is why it's an offense against God. Here is what God thinks of that. Will you repent and believe the gospel? And they are saying, we just need to move on. You're being divisive. What we've got to say, is the gospel at work in that person? Yeah. And that's a very harsh thing to say. I mean, that's a biblical question, right? It is. 
is. You need to answer it the way you need to answer it. But Christian people are people who repent yeah. and believe the gospel. If you're not repenting and believing the gospel, have you even understood the, gospel? the gospel? I remember Tutu when he was asked to reflect upon the cleric's apology. One of the things he said, and I think Auntie Kroch mentions this mm. in the article, she, he, she says he said, looking at the cleric, listening to his apology, mm. the one thing that came to mind was, how can I face God oh. when he asked me, where's the cleric? Right. And so it is that hard work, yeah. even in the face of, of that kind of apology, right. where black brothers and sisters also embrace the gospel and, 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 and move towards mm. these, towards our brothers. But at the same time, my white brothers, you have to understand the weight that black South Africans have sure. been carrying. Genesis 6, I will, God spit, I will not contend with man because he's indeed flesh. We are human beings. Right. <laughs> we, we cave under the pressure mm -hmm. of, of carrying loads. Sure. And so we need to, we need to recognize that and mm. say, listen, uh, I see that. My black brother, I don't want to see that constant drag you down to the point where actually sure. it makes you bitter because of my unrepentance. Absolutely. And so I want not to face God one day saying <laughs> that when God asked me, where's your black brother? Yeah. And then I turn and said, I'm, am I my brother's keeper? Yeah. Yeah, I, exactly. I, exactly. He, he kept with this race stuff. My identity is in mm. you. And I don't want to talk about that stuff. And God is like, but have you not seen how this has hurt him? I'm not asking about how you feel, but have you, yeah. have you considered how your brother mm. actually feels? We need to start thinking on true biblical repentance, right. having that attitude on both sides, mm. on mm. both sides. Yeah. yeah. And it springs from a love for God and love for my neighbor. Gospel repentance is not easy. Yeah. We lose a lot when we make it an easy repentance, when we make repentance something that's simple to do, when we are not our brother. I love that we say, I'm, I'm, am I my brother's keeper? If God says to Tutu, where's the clerk? Why is he not in the kingdom? And Tutu actually carried on and he said, after TRC, he says, he's, he's lost the chance to redeem his humanity. That's profound biblical love in a way that is counter to the world. is like, the clerk, let's take him out. And I can go with that sometimes. I'm like, yo, I'm done with this guy. Let's cancel him. Let's, let's say I've had enough of him. Yeah. And I think Tutu's right. He's saying that the gospel is like, how do we bring the clerk to repentance? How do we bring, do we still love our, our racist uncle? Do we love that pastor? Now, repentance is their business in one sense. You can't bring someone to repentance, but are you going and loving them yeah. and saying, find humanity. You are trapped in your own superiority, in your own sinfulness. This racism, it's not only hurting the victims, it's actually hurting you. Yeah. And you don't even see it. You are losing your man. I mean, how do you have a bri? next to the burning bodies. Your humanity is so deeply affected. And so when we say, let's just move on, let's just forget, apartheid wasn't that bad. Hmm. What part of our humanity are we sacrificing in order to say that? Sure. Yeah. These are hard and enormous conversations and heart-wrenching. This is why Ismambano exists, mm. to speak truth, but speak truth in love. Mm. And I want to challenge an evangelist out there. Mm. Do not undermine this conversation in yeah. your outreach. Love the city. Like God mm. told Jonah, I, yeah. I love the city. Mm -hmm. And God had a concern for the king of, Nin of Nineveh to see him get up from his seat, mm -hmm. to get a declare a person 
right. up there. He had a concern for the lowest of the lows. Right. Uh, even animals. Yeah, it says he even tells animals. Animals. He said, I have a concern for my creation. I right. have a concern for the city. Right. It's more than getting people to see Jesus. Because here's the thing even if people do not come to a repentance and faith in Jesus, right. turning from their sins into the eternal light of the glory of the gospel mm -hmm. in the kingdom of heaven, even if that doesn't happen, if people can come to an understanding that apartheid was wrong right. and that I need to do some moral you know, change. You haven't failed yeah, <laughs> because there's domestic workers in, sure. in a lot of white people's houses that needs to have some kind of reform sure. happening in the lives of people Amen. so that they can see some kind of reform in the smallest bits, even if it's salary, if it's whatever right. that is. It's, right. So it's that loving the city, but also loving the great city. Mm. And we want to see people get in there. Mm, um, that's good. We're signing out. Thanks for listening, John. Yeah. Thanks for, once again, a wonderful engagement. Mm, mm. As always, you challenge me on the spot. <laughs> Remember, this, once again, is a recording that has been done by Exilic Music. You can always find them at www.exilic.co.za. My man, props to you, Jeremy Kuris, mm -hmm. part, of, part of the team. Yep. And our team is growing. I think I think we, we need to do a special segment mm, on, on a lot of things that's been happening right. behind the scenes. That's good. Uh, yeah. But I'm going to leave it there uh, and wait for the next episode. Signing right. out, guys.